But hey, well, welcome to the Becoming Church, man. You guys made it out on an Easter Sunday, and now we're so excited uh, that you're here. And, you know, oftentimes people say, you know, Easter is the Super Bowl of the church world. But you know what? I don't know if I, if I necessarily um, subscribe to that. Because let me tell you, every single Sunday, every single day is a moment that God can do something amazing uh, in your life. So we're just not going to box him into today. But we do recognize that today is a day that we, uh, all around the world, churches and Christians alike, are celebrating what Jesus has done on the cross. And so we celebrate that this morning. And if you're new here, again, we're so excited uh, that you're here. And uh, hey, listen, um, if you're like, yo, this was cool, but I don't know that this is a place that I can connect with, please let us know because we want to connect you to a life-giving ministry here in the area because we don't, our heart is not to try to build a big church, but to build big people. And if that's not here, we want it to be somewhere else because it's all about the kingdom of God. And we mean that 100% and totally all the way. Um, And that's just where we are. Amen. Amen. Hey, well, I'm excited to continue in a conversation. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been in this conversation called Come and See. And the idea about it is based off of uh, John chapter 1 where Philip says to Nathaniel, like, yo, I think we found the one that the prophets have been talking about. I think we found the Messiah. I, th- I think we found him. And, and Nathaniel goes, well, Philip says he's from Nazareth. And Nathaniel's like, Nazareth, what good can come out of there? And Philip says to him, come and see. And so the idea of that is, listen, as followers of the way of Jesus, we don't have to have all the answers. We don't have to have everything all figured out. But what we can say is, come and see. Let's go see Jesus. And we can go on this journey together to figure out who he is and who he wants to be in our life. And so we've been tracking that way. And I'm excited to continue in that uh, around Easter this Sunday. And I'm going to come from maybe a story that you would be like, yo, that's not what I expected on an Easter Sunday. Uh, But track with me and you will see the story of Jesus in this. So we're going to come from uh, 2 Samuel. I'm going to read uh, verses 1 through 11. Excuse me, 2 Samuel 9. And we're going to read verses 1 through 11. And if you have your copy of God's Word, you can turn with me there. Or uh, you can uh, view right up here on the screen as well. And while I do have this moment, I do want to publicly shout out our serve team uh, that serves so well and doing everything and setting up a space like this. And... Uh, Hey, we appreciate you, and the truth is um, you don't go as far as a dream. You go as far as your team, and I'm convinced that we absolutely have the best team here at the Becoming Church. And so if you've been showing up for a while and kicking the tires, stop kicking them. They're good. Go ahead and jump on that serve team, all right? (laughs) But 2 Samuel 9, verse 1, it says this, And David said, Is there still anyone left of the house of Saul? That I, might show, that I may show kindness for Jonathan's sake. Now there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. And they called to him David. And the king said to him, are you Ziba? And he said, I am your servant. And the king said, is there not still someone of the house of Saul that I may show kindness of God to him? Ziba said to the king, there is still a son of Jonathan. He is crippled in his feet. The king said to him, where is he? And Ziba said to the king, he is in the house of Mekir, the son of Emil at Lodabar. Then King David sent and brought him from the house of Mekir 
the son of Emil, at Lodabar. And Mephibosheth, any Mephibosheths in here this morning? <laughs> the son of Jonathan, son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face and paid homage. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Behold, I am your servant. And David said to him, Do not fear, for I will show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. And I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your father. And you shall eat at my table always. And he paid homage and said, What is your servant that you would show regard for a dead dog such as I? Then the king summoned Ziba, Saul's steward, and said to him, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to form the land for him and bring in the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. And then verse 11, it says, Then Ziba said to the king, Your servant will do whatever my lord the king commands his servant to do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today. God, we thank you for your grace, your love, and your mercy. God, there's no one like you. God, we honor you. We lift you up. We magnify your name in this place. And Lord, I pray, God, that people, your people in this place today will connect with you. God, give us eyes to see. Give us ears to hear exactly what it is you want to show us and what you want us to hear, Lord. God, we say this. We're your servants. Speak because we're listening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Are you someone who always find yourself in awkward situations? I know it's a, maybe an awkward way to start a conversation on Easter Sunday, but it's something to consider. And to answer for you, um, I'm not a fan of awkward moments, um, but I can think back to a couple of awkward moments in my life. I can remember one uh, specifically as a kid, I think maybe, maybe second grade, outside in PE. And so we're outside. We were living in El Paso, Texas, and there probably was 50 kids out there. And I'm back in the corner chilling. You know, we're doing whatever you do in PE. And for whatever reason, I looked down. I was like, oh, well, there's my shadow. And so I'm looking at my shadow, and I decide to make, like, puppets, you know, with your hand, like, here's a bunny and all these other things, and just having a ball. Just me in my own space. And then you might, okay, yeah, kids, you know, in the second grade, kids are kind of weird at that point. And uh, n- nothing to, to get crazy about there. But here's the problem. The other 49 kids were gone. I was still in that corner by myself making puppets with my hands. So that one of the PE coaches literally took me by my shoulders and just walked me where I needed to be. Awkward. I get it. Or another time in high school, I believe I was in the ninth grade. And um, I was, let's, let's say it this way, I was, I was talking uh, to this girl. Some of you know, like, you know, talking to find that. Um, I was talking to this girl uh, who was in the 11th grade. So I was like, I'm a freshman. Like, she in 11th grade. Like, whatever. Can't tell me nothing. <laughs> When I get home from school one day and she calls me and proceeded to tell me uh, that, hey, we're, we're done. We're, we're not talking anymore. And as we're getting ready to hang up the phone, I say this. I say, well, I still like you too. 
<laughs> you almost already know where we're going. Thinking that she said, you know, I still like you. So in my mind, I'm conflicted. I'm like, then why are we having this conversation if you still like me too? And she's like, what? No, I said, I got to go. I got things to do. <laughs> Awkward. Yep. <laughs> I don't even know her name, so whatever. It don't even matter. I got the love of my life. <laughs> But just awkward. And um, Katie, I meant to ask for your permission to share the story, but you share it, so I think it's okay. Is that cool? Okay, awesome. Y'all heard it there. A couple of years ago, uh, Katie and some other coworkers, they came into their supervisor's office for a, um, for a quick tag up, you know, at the beginning of the day. And so one of Katie's coworkers, she came in, and then, you know, she reached like this. And so Katie's like, oh, okay. And she proceeded to hug her. Only for her coworker to say, um, Katie, I was just trying to reach the M&Ms <laughs> that was sitting over there on the shelf. So I don't know. I guess awkward attracts awkward. And we go together, babe. We do. We're, never mind. I'm not going to say that. Uh, yeah, let's keep going. Um, <laughs> It's good. The Holy Spirit be like, nah, bro, don't say that. They ain't going to come back. <laughs> but I don't know about you, but when I have these awkward moments where I feel awkward, I just feel out of place. I feel lost. I feel like I don't belong. And uh, in some cases, I feel hopeless like I did as a ninth grader there. But we can think about that in the context of real-life moments where we can feel hopeless. We can feel like... We don't belong. And maybe some of you, you came in here like that today. You feel out of place. You feel like you don't belong. But not just in life, but maybe even where you are on your spiritual journey with God. And so on this Easter morning, I want us to go to Scripture for us to see this truth, that not only does God know you, not only does he know your situation, and not only does he know your story, but he wants you to know this, that you belong. And you don't just belong, but you actually have a place. And so today, I'm going to speak from this headline, Seated at the Table. And so if you're taking notes, you can write that down, Seated at the Table. And so to provide some context to the text, historically speaking, when a new king comes to power, they would eliminate every and any person that was part of the previous regime. Because they don't want a situation come later down the road where someone will challenge the throne. If you've seen Black Panther, you understand what I'm saying. They don't want any challenge days. And so they would eliminate every single person that was part of the previous regime. And so uh, this is, what is exactly what's happening in our story. Saul was king. Jonathan was his son. But they were both killed. And so ultimately, David, he becomes king. Now, David is not in Saul's line, so what's happening here is there is a new line that has begun in the kingdom of Israel. What this also tells us is that this is significant with what's happening between Mephibosheth and David. Because technically speaking, Mephibosheth is heir to the throne because he is Saul's grandson. So with all of that considered, can you imagine, as we have tracked through this, tracking through this story, can you imagine if you're Mephibosheth, and you're opening the door 
and you're seeing one of the king's men at your door. That all of your life, all of these years, you've been running, trying to stay out of sight, and now you're facing the very thing that you've been running from. That this one person that you've been trying to stay out of sight, his man shows up at your door. What do you do? Let me pose this question. What is your response when the king comes knocking at your door? What, what kind of emotions does that bring up in you? Now understand this, family. The king has been looking for you. And many of us in here, let's just be honest, we are the product of some praying voices in our lives. Some praying moms, some praying grandmothers, some praying mentors and leaders. And through the years, God has kept us. But the moment has come where the king is knocking at your door. Let's be honest. What's your response? Is it a response of fear? Like, what does he want? Is it a response of excitement? How would you take the king knocking at your door? And I can get it. You may say, hold on, bro. I don't know about all that church stuff that I'm not much of a religious person, that I'm seeing all the things that's popping up in the news surrounding pastors and churches and all these things. I don't know about that. I like my Jesus at a distance. Scripture tells us exactly what David, this king, what David wanted to show to Mephibosheth. He wanted to show him kindness. We see that in verse 1 where he says, Is there anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sakes? Friends, can I tell you? That God has been actively looking for you. He's not looking for you to shame you. He's not looking for you to bring you to a place of regret and guilt. But he is looking for you to save you, to love you, and to completely transform your life. The king wants to show you kindness. And listen, I get it. That may be a little bit different from maybe what you have experienced or situations that you have encountered. But can I tell you this morning that the king wants to show you kindness. Now, I understand, too, that sometimes those who represent the king don't necessarily show you that kindness. And so what happens, we see that and we're like, yo, if that's what it is, I don't want that kind of kindness. But you have to understand, all of us in this space, we are fallen, broken people. And so maybe what those who profess, profess following Jesus may have projected on you, that is not the same thing that the king wants to project on you. That he really does want to show you kindness. He really does want to show you love. He really does want to transform your life. The king wants to show you kindness. That's why the Bible says this in Romans 2.4. It says it is the kindness of God that leads to repentance. Remember repentance earlier? It's I've been living my life this way, my own way, doing my own thing, but I've made a decision to turn around and to live for Jesus. That's what repentance means. So it says it is the kindness of God that leads to repentance. It doesn't say it's the shame of God. It doesn't say it's the guilt of God. It doesn't say it's the condemnation of God. It says it is the kindness of God that leads to repentance. That God, in his grace and mercy, he positions us to turn away from the life we were living to now living a life in hope and on purpose. Family, the king wants to show you kindness. And maybe some of you in here, you've been doing your best to stay out of view of the king just like Mephibosheth. You've been trying to stay as far away as you can. But listen, you were never as far away as you may have thought. 
that every place that you were, every place that you have been, God has seen you. For all those years that Mephibosheth thought he was hiding from the king, when in reality he was still within the king's domain. And maybe that's you. You've been trying to stay from your family and friends. Like, man, that's them Bible thumpers. Y'all keep that over there. Don't come talk to me about that at the family reunion. Let's just talk about what these burgers going to be hitting for, okay? You keep that over there. And maybe because you don't want to hear what they have to say. But can I tell you, family, your life has never been out of view of the king. And I, I believe this. If you sit back and you look and reflect, there are some things that should have taken you out. Some of you should not have been here, but it's just been the grace of God that has been keeping you this entire time, whether you know that truth or not, because he doesn't want to shame you. He doesn't want to put you in a place of regret, but he wants to show you kindness, But because it is the, only the kindness of God that will position you to live a different way, to live a better way. And so David, he wants to bring Mephibosheth to him, so he calls Ziba a servant. So David the king, he calls Ziba a servant. So it's interesting to note that David would do that, that he would send a servant looking for Mephibosheth. I don't know about you. It kind of makes you stop and pause because, well, what are we celebrating today? We are celebrating when the king sent a servant, Jesus, are y'all tracking with me, to bring us safely back to him. He didn't send a good idea. He didn't send a good concept. He didn't send a good thought. Oh, hold on, wait, wait a minute for this. He didn't send good vibes. But he sent his son, his only begotten son. The king sent a servant. Philippians tells us about this, that Jesus took the humble position of a servant. And he was God in skin and bones to save us to save all of humanity and bring us back. And maybe you're in here this morning and you feel like I'm not worthy of that. I'm not worthy for God to send Jesus to come looking for me. But can I tell you this morning, that's none of us. We all have sinned. We all have missed the mark. In fact, that's what sin means. It means to simply miss the mark. But see, Jesus still came to change your position in life. To see that there is more to life, that there is more to the way that you've been living. When God wanted to change, when David wanted to change and, and impact Mephibosheth's life, he sent a servant in the same way God sent a servant. And so David asked, he says this, he said, well, where is he? And Ziba tells him, he's down at Lodabar. Now, you probably didn't expect this. But here's a little Hebrew for you on an Easter Sunday morning. So, lo, the word lo, so Lodabar, lo means no. That's easy to remember. Lo means no. But the bar means word or thing. So, essentially, Mephibosheth was living in a place called nothing. Now, to, to further give impact to this, from a geographical standpoint, Jerusalem set up on a hill while Lodabar set at the end of a valley. So here's what that means. That the king sent a servant to stoop down into nothing and to bring you up into something. 
So in other words, he took you from nothing and he places us into something. He has taken us from barrenness to fruitfulness. He has taken us from not enough to more than enough. He has taken us from despair to hope. He has taken us from a life of chaos and bringing us to a life of peace. Some of you need to get that this morning. You feel like your life has been nothing. You feel like you've had setback after setback. But God sent a servant named Jesus to take you out of nothing and bring you into something. Am I the only one in this place that is excited about that? That it has nothing to do with myself. That God sent Jesus. He sent a servant for me and my wrong in the era of my ways to take me out of nothing and bring me into something. So if you feel hopeless, my friend, you don't have to stay there. The servant wants to bring you into hope. If you feel like you've been living in sorrow, friend, you don't have to stay there. The Lord wants to bring you into joy where the joy of the Lord becomes your strength. That you don't search for moment to moment for happiness, but you live in a continuous state of joy. That enemy, it doesn't matter what you bring my way because I have joy because God sent a servant. So it don't matter what you try to, how you try to attack my family. It don't matter how you try to attack my health. I've got the joy of the Lord that is my strength because this truth, he took me out of nothing and he is bringing me in to something. I wasn't worthy of that. I didn't do nothing for that. But it was out of his love for his people. The king has been looking for you and he wants to transform you to take you to a place you never thought possible. And I can hear you arguing with me right now. That's probably why you're looking at me the way you're looking at me. But you don't know my story. Hmm. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know the pain that I felt. Some of you are saying that. But the Lord is saying, I want to bring you from nothing into something. That what you thought the enemy took from you, that the Lord wants to bring that back to you. Don't miss that this morning. And speaking of miss it, You may feel like you yourself, you've missed it. That you've placed yourself in situations that's nothing but your fault. That it's your problem, it's your issue that you did it. But let me tell you this, the Bible is full of imperfect people that God used to do amazing things for his glory. So get rid of this idea that society tells us that Christians, that those who follow the way of Jesus have it all together because we don't. Right? But we serve a God that we follow that positions us to become who he's called us to become. That this is a spiritual journey of becoming. You're going to have the highs and lows, the ebbs and flows, but it's the consistency of God through it all that we hold on to. Because it's never about what you do, but it's about what he has done. And understand this truth, that God doesn't choose to qualify, but he qualifies the one that he chooses. And so Mephibosheth, he has a situation. The Bible lets us know that he's crippled. But have you ever asked yourself, well, how did he become crippled? I'm going to take a drink of water while you think on that question. In verse 3, it says, there's still a son of Jonathan 
This is Ziba to the king. He says, there's still a son of Jonathan. He's crippled in his feet. Here's the thing. Mephibosheth was dropped as a child by his nurse. Because remember, Saul and Jonathan had been killed. And so this nurse, she had an awareness to know what happens next, that a new king is about to come into play. And every new king gets rid of anyone that could be, that could be heir to the throne because they don't want to challenge their moment. And so in escaping, she dropped Mephibosheth. And so since that moment, he was crippled. How many of you in this room have been dropped? How many of you are in the state that you're in because of what someone said to you? How many of you in this room are in the state that you're in because of what somebody did to you? Because of how they treated you? See, what happens is many of us, we judge others by their issue. when we don't even understand the beginning of the issue. They are someone that was dropped. And we completely ignore that. But can I tell you, family, we've all been dropped. Adam dropped us. That back in the garden, Adam and Eve dropped us. And they are the reason that we are battling what we battle today because of the result of them dropping us. But aren't you so thankful that God sent Jesus to be the last Adam to fix what the first Adam messed up? That he sent Adam to heal us. He sent Adam to free us. He sent Adam to deliver us, to lift us up, and to restore and bring us back to a place of communion and fellowship with the Father. So we may have been dropped, but we've been positioned to get up family. In Romans 5, it says this, For just as though the disobedience of one man, Adam, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of one man, Jesus, the many will be made righteous. That's how we go from ratchet to righteous. And then it says, The law was brought in so the trespass might increase, but where sin increased, Grace increased all the more, so that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I'm so thankful that the last Adam came to restore what the first Adam messed up. And so everything, every curse, every sin, every issue may have entered the garden, but I thank God of a prayer that was prayed in a garden that began where a moment where everything would change. Thank God for the last Adam. Adam may have ruined humanity by a tree, but I'm so thankful that Jesus restored humanity by a tree. And most of us, you know, we'll say things like, well, I'm not ready to find God. <laughs> But can I tell you, friends, you don't find God. Your GPS is not that good. God finds you. You may not have been looking for him, but let me tell you, he's been actively looking for you. And so now, Mephibosheth, he's before David in verse 7. He says, do not fear. I'm going to show you kindness. Because of your father, Jonathan, I'm going to restore to you all the land of Saul, your father, and you might eat at my table always. Now, Mephibosheth is clearly afraid. Like, he heard that the king wants to show him kindness. But in his mind, and maybe some of you, you're like, yo, what does is, what is that kindness that the king wants to show me really mean? 
Because I know what's supposed to happen. What, what kind of kindness is this? And maybe for you, the question is, well, what would my life look like if I actually chose to live for Jesus? What does that actually mean? But listen, family, oftentimes when we hear that, we think of all the things that the Lord wants to take away from us. But listen, Jesus isn't looking to take away from your life. He wants to add to your life. That we try to search for fulfillment in all these places, but what does it always do? It brings us to another place of trying to find fulfillment. Because fulfillment is not found in any other place except in the person of Jesus. And so actually... Surrendering our lives to him is positioning us to live a fulfilled life. So Mephibosheth, he was the grandson of the king. So that means all that he sees, it was supposed to be his. And what does David tell him? As I get ready to close, David tells him this. I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your father. Listen. Some of you have had some things taken away from you. Some of you have experienced some pain that many of us can't imagine. You've been through some things. There's some things you haven't told some family. There's some things that you haven't told friends because it's, 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 it's hurt. It's pain. It's deep. You've been hurt. You've been crushed. People that you never thought would bring this type of pain in your life have been the people that's brought that pain in your life. And you're devastated. But listen, family. Jesus wants to restore you. The enemy may come to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus came so that we may have life and have it to the full. And so David, the king, he tells Ziba, who was Saul's servant, he says, listen, I want you and I want all of your sons to go farm the land for Mephibosheth because he's going to be busy. He's going to be at my table. He says this, your master will always eat at my table. Now, eating at the table, it wasn't this small thing. It wasn't something to just skip over that. This was a significant moment to eat at the king's table. It was an extreme honor. But it was clear that Mephibosheth was going to be more than simply a guest at this table. That perhaps he was home. Because the king didn't say periodically. He didn't say occasionally. But the king said, he will always eat at my table. Can you imagine the feeling of Mephibosheth in this moment as he approaches the table? Now, remember, he's crippled, so he's probably getting some type of assistance to get there. So that means it's, it's always noticeable when he's coming. He's probably looking and he sees everyone at that table and he's thinking to himself, what am I doing here? How am I at this table? And maybe that's some of you this morning that you're coming in and you see this table over here and you see all the people that's sitting over there and you say, man, they got it all together. They got the house, they got the cars, they got the picket fence, they got the 
two and a half kids and the dog. That's not my life. I've got a lot of pain. I've got a lot of brokenness, and maybe I have that too. But they don't know the torment that goes on inside of here. How can I sit at that table? How can I belong with, with these Christians? There's, there's no way. Like my story is rough. I can't tell you some elements of my story. And so you're kind of hesitant to coming and taking a seat at the table that the king says you will always eat at. But I'm telling you, friends, I know your pain has been real. I know your questions are real. And can I tell you, in the same way that Philip told Nathaniel, let's just go and see. Ask your questions. I know this, God is not afraid of those. Because salvation doesn't have to happen in a moment, but salvation can be a journey. That oftentimes we say it has to be this moment. But I believe right now could be the beginning of your salvation story. So today it's not about how many hands go up, but it's about that you hear this truth that Jesus has invited you to sit at the table. He's been actively looking for you. He's been actively searching for you. And there's nothing that you've done, there's nothing that you've said that disqualifies you. Oftentimes we say, well, let me get myself together, friends. Let me stop you right there. You won't be able to do it. Because if anyone could get themselves together, they would have not been in need of Jesus. But remember, he became sin so that we could become. He accomplished what we couldn't do in and of ourselves. So I'm going to go ahead and let you in. You won't be able to do it. He just says, come. Would you bring your pain? Would you bring your hurt? Some of you have been walking strongly with the Lord for many years, but you were dropped. And it's been tough to connect because of the people who dropped you represented the king. But can I tell you that wasn't the king? He really does wants to show you kindness. He wants to restore everything that you lost. And it's not to try to replace what you lost, but it's to show you that there's so much fullness in who I am. And just because they dropped you, don't stay there. But accept this invitation of my hand to get up, and take a seat at the king's table. Ephesians lets us know that it's for, it's for by grace that you have been saved through faith. That is not from yourselves, but it is the gift of God. It's not by works so that no one can boast. So you don't have to do good, family, to get good. Jesus said on the cross that it is finished to tell us thy meaning. They would stamp that meaning paid in full. It's paid in full, family. All you have to do is say yes to giving your life to him. Say yes and take your seat at the king's table. 2 Samuel 9, verse 13. It says this, And Mephibosheth, he lived in Jerusalem. 
because he always ate at the king's table. You got to pay attention to the Bible because it could have just it could have just been a period there. But it says this, he was lame in both feet. Why does it let us know that part? I believe because of this truth. That drops don't disqualify you from your destiny of dining at the king's table. Yeah, you may have been dropped. You may have been hurt. You may have gone through some things, but you still have a place at the king's table. Would you pray with me?